Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Awesome. Well, it's great to see you here this morning. Things are warming up, aren't they? Um, as, as mentioned, it's going to be a while, I think, before we have carpet. We want to do some more permanent roof repairs before we put down the new floor coverings. Uh, kind of smart idea, isn't it? Um, so bear with us with concrete for a month, two months, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we go. We're Busy time of year, plus huge amount of floods, everyone's flat out. So um, we'll do our best, um, and we're going to make the most of it while we can, but uh, our insurance company have been fantastic in supporting us, so we, we look like we're having great coverage from then, and yeah, really, really good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together. We pray that you'd speak, you would strengthen and that you would do everything that you want to do in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've called today One Saviour. One Saviour. And the reason is, is because sometimes we allow some other ones to rise up in replacement or alongside of the original Saviour. I want to start by reading in John Chapter 3, verse 22. John chapter 3, verse 22. And it says, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was also baptizing at Anon near Salim. Because there was plenty of water there. And people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And in 31, it says, He has come from above and greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard and how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the Spirit without limit. The, the Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's, eternal, uh, God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Not something we hear a lot about in our modern Christianity. 
And uh, amen. I don't, want, I don't want judgment any more than the next person. But at the end of the day, it's in the Bible. And so we have many choices today, more than ever before, uh, what church we're going to choose, what style we're going to choose, what gospel we're going to choose, what versions we're going to choose. I remember, you know, it used to be a big thing for uh, preachers would have multiple versions or you remember there was parallel Bibles that had maybe up to three or seven or something and that was an amazing thing. And now you've got this thing and you've got 167 or something all available instantly. Uh, and then we have, you know, just all different styles and all different emphasis. And uh, so many are so good and we get diff- glean different things from, from different angles. But at the end of the day, we have only one saviour. We have only one gospel. We have only one Lord and one way to heaven. And so it's interesting that we as humans will find so many different ways to say something really simple and we'll make it convoluted and we'll change it and we'll alter it and we'll do all sorts of things to a very, very simple message. And so I want to just highlight three things that I take from this passage in John chapter 3 that I find interesting about human nature. And the first thing is comparison. It's one of the first things that we do as humans is compare ourselves. We see here John's disciples who, remember, have been baptizing for quite some time. John's already, he's prior to Jesus, so he he knows he's preparing the way. He's been baptizing people for a little while now. And all of a sudden, a church opens up down the road, the Jesus Church, and everyone's going to the Jesus Church now. And John's disciples say, What's the deal? Everyone's going down to the new church down the road because it's bigger and better and it's got something new and and they're, they're following that guy. What's the deal? And this is the testing point for most of us. Are we sons or are we orphans? Are we children of the Father or are we orphans? What do I mean by that? There will come testing points for every single one of us when someone says, hey, someone else is doing something better than you are. And instantly, insecurity will try and rear its head. Insecurity comes from the orphan heart. Insecurity comes from not knowing the Father's will. When we know the Father's will, we're safe and secure in His plans. And we don't have to strive and struggle and compete. When we have to compete, then we know we're still an orphan. When we have to strive and try and beat everyone else, we know, wow, I'm still a slave. What am I a slave to? I'm a slave to the world's system. And you know what the world does? It sucks the life out of us. It sucks the life out of us. If you've ever wondered why, you know, it can be draining being a leader, uh, being a human on the face of this earth, it's because it can be very draining running the rat race, it's called, isn't it? The rat race, making money, paying off a house, paying the bills, doing this, making sure this is okay, that's okay, career, kids, family. Here we've got Christmas time coming up. For some, it's really stressful. For some, it's really lonely. For some, it's really annoying. Uh, But it's a funny time of year, isn't it? Uh, and it's just one of those weird parts. What is that? That's the rat race. That's not the birth of Jesus Christ celebration. That's the rat race. 
And so what happens is oftentimes we get taken into a realm of belief that we didn't originate in by comparison and by competition. And so whenever the enemy tries to tap you on the shoulder and just say, hey, look, it's, it's better down there. They're doing something better or someone's, someone's doing something. that Remind yourself, I'm not a slave to that. I'm not a slave to that way of thinking. I'm not a slave to that because if I fall under that, then, then I'm under slavery in a whole lot of other areas in my life. I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High. I know what I'm doing. I'm called to do this. I'm, I'm doing my best. If something happens down the road, I'm going to celebrate it. And that's what John does. He celebrates it. In fact, let's go back to it because I love the words that he uses. Um, he said, Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. I'm filled with joy at his success. Now, this is the true evidence of a son of God. One that can celebrate another believer's success. See, the enemy will try and make believers compete more than non-Christians. Because he knows we're saved. He knows we're going to heaven. So he has to get us in all sorts of different random weird ways. He'll bring division. He'll bring competition. He'll bring weirdness. He'll, he'll you know, send all sorts of little fluffy things along in our path to try and distract us from our course and our calling. And, and so watch out for this one, competition. Watch out for it because the enemy will try and bring it. Even in small ways sometimes, they're doing better than you are. That's the enemy's voice of competition. But if we're a son or a daughter, we listen to our father's voice. And our father's voice over us gives us security. We're not slaves. We are sons and daughters. And when we're family, we have an inheritance. It's blood bought, not bought by works. So let's keep rolling. I'm going to make this a quick one this morning. Is that okay with you? It's getting warm down the front down there. Our air conditioning isn't the best, but uh, it's pretty good there. Oh, awesome, awesome. Here's another thing that I find interesting from this passage here is that there'd already been a movement going on, John's movement, if you want to call it that. Um, men love movements, don't they? We love movements. We love something to identify our bunch, our tribe. Nothing wrong with it. You'll notice it's very tribal. You'll notice, uh, you know, Indigenous Australians, Indigenous tribes all around the world, they would have regions, they would have a name, they would have a identifiable markers or certain things. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. I don't want to make it that, you know, we're all meant to be pure vanilla and look the same, sound the same. That would be rather boring. However... We, in uh, uh, humans, we love to then overemphasize our movement. And that's what John's disciples got caught in straight away. It's like, but, but it's something new and they're not part of us. God has a habit of doing that. Ever notice that? And he, ha he has a habit of doing that in ways that we weren't expecting. I'll probably eat these words in a few years' time. But I've learned as a pastor, it's like there's... there's 50,000 churches in this area. There's 10 just on this block alone. If I'm insecure, I'm like, oh, everyone might up and leave and go down there. Well, if that's the case, I'm retiring. We're buying a caravan and we'll enjoy Australia. That's what a son does. A son said, well, God's in control anyway. 
we'll do our best, we'll, we'll host, we'll put coffees out, we'll bribe people to come, we'll make it look nice, smell nice, we'll do whatever we can, but at the end of the day, it's his. It's his. And he's got to build the thing. Believe me, it's too tiring trying too hard. It's just too trying, trying to whip people, trying to count who's here, who's not, ring you every single week, why weren't you here three weeks? Ever notice we don't do that? We, we, we might ring you randomly once a year if, if, if Suzanne's got the effort. I'm sorry. Our pastoral care system is not as, you know, polished as some. And I, don't, I admire that as well, to be honest. We probably should get better in all that, but it's not that we don't care. It's just that we won't whip people because you're not my slave. You're not Karen's slave. You're his son or daughter. And so our prayer is that you would be challenged and you would love to worship because you're free. You're not a slave. No one's forcing you. If we have to force you, then, oh, my goodness, that's boring. That's boring. That means we're a slave to a movement. That means we're a slave to a system. And, and the enemy loves systems. You know, let's punch them into a system, and now they have to do it out of compulsion. Straight away, there's chains on, and you lose your freedom. He came so that you can be free, so that we can be free. I know that's not the kind of preaching that builds big movements, but I'm okay with that because we don't really care about building a big movement. But it's one of the things that John's disciples got caught up on. Hang on, John, we got a movement. We got a good thing going. The tithes were probably pretty good. We're baptizing 10 a week here. All of a sudden, I'm sure someone in the bunch, probably the accountant, was counting how many people are we baptizing each week. Baptists are really good at that. I remember on the year roll each year, I'd have to fill in how many people have we baptised this year. And I'd look back over the years and you'd feel bad if it wasn't as many as last year. Slave. I'm not saying the system is a slave. I'm saying that's the slave thinking. It's not as good as last time. Slavery. Or this isn't going as well. If we are obeying the voice of the Father, it's going well. If you're obeying his voice and his calling, you're doing well. That's the requirement. That's the qualification. Not all the statistics. Hey, we love statistics. I love statistics. We all do. But they're just following things. They're just background things. At the end of the day, methods and movements can be our downfall of seeing the authentic Messiah across the river. Many times it's been done. I, I wrote a post a while ago of I was just, just reviewing and thinking and praying on movements, revival movements throughout history. And you can go through almost all mainstream movements that are now movements. You might, you might start with Methodism, John Wesley, the uniting, uniting Church. We now recognize that in Australia. You might think of the Salvation Army. You might think of Pentecostals. You might think of Baptists. You might think of Church of Christ. Whatever it is, you will find a revival hotspot at its core, at its origins. Because God stirs men and women and something happens. The problem is when the fire goes out. The problem is when the movement becomes bigger than the man, the man as in that man. When, when the movement and the methods and the comparison overtake the original heartbeat and calling of what God sets in motion. And, and, you can see, and I'm not putting down Salvation Army and those guys because we're part of that as well. We've been Baptists. We've been, we've been exactly the same. We're in that camp. 
But at the end of the day, the danger of it is we, we look and go, wow, okay, we've got something really good going here. We're baptizing, we're doing this, we're doing that. And then God across the river does something new and insecurity rise up, fear rises up and slavery rises up because what if we get left out? See, that's the ultimate test of, of what an orphan will think because mum and dad left. And so that, that spirit, that heart on them thinks that mum and dad are always going to leave. There's a disappointment in them. And so in that heart, there's a reaction to, oh, no, what if, what if the authority figure, what if mum and dad leave? And, and we carry that into our faith. And when we carry it into our faith, we then um, have a flavor of that in our reactions, what if, what if, what if that thing's better? What if that thing's better? But if we know our Father and we know His voice and we know who we are and we know what He's called us to do, we don't need to worry about anyone else. We don't need to worry about the other stuff. So comparison, competition, methods, movement, all of them, doesn't matter. And then the last thing that I think is really interesting is the authentic and the counterfeit run so closely together that we have to really discern sometimes which really is the authentic. Now, John was authentic, but the great thing, I think, a test of his leadership and why Jesus loved him so much was because at the moment when he could have, out of pride and arrogance, said, yeah, we got a pretty good thing going. We were baptizing before him. We were, start, we were doing this stuff well before him. Uh, straight away, pride and arrogance, you know, standing on that platform. He humbled himself and he said, we're going to come lesser and he's got to come more. We've got to become lesser than he's got to become more. That's the test of authenticity. If we really, really believe then it will come out in our lives. The authentic Jesus will be seen in our actions and our words. Otherwise, if it's comparison, competition, methods and movements, then we've got authenticity and counterfeit mixed together. And the Bible says that if salt water mixes with fresh water, it's no good. So we want to make sure that our water is pure. And that's me as much as anyone, that our motives are pure, that our movement is pure, that our hearts are pure, that we are going for authentic Jesus, not just a Jesus form and then tacking on whatever makes us feel comfortable on the side of that because the truth is the authentic gospel does not make us feel comfortable. And in a modern world, in modern church, that's hard to do because that kind of, I mean, even reading that about judgment, that the truth is there is judgment for those outside of Christ. We will be judged. At the end of time, we will be judged for what we've done and what we haven't done. And our prayer is that when we stand before Jesus, when we stand before him, he will say, well done. Well done with what you've, I've given you. No one saw that stuff, but good on you because you kept at it. Well done. You stayed authentic to Jesus. You stayed authentic to the gospel. You didn't sell out just because of comparison or movements or a counterfeit. You didn't take something that was, had a form but no power. You didn't take something that just, yeah, well, I'm going to tack on a little bit of faith. You actually believed and put it into practice. John 14, 6 
Jesus answered his disciples. They were asking questions about how to get to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through Hindu 333 million, I think it is, or is it 33 million? Someone will know. It's a lot. Um, a lot of gods they worship. And then you've got Muhammad. Then you've got Krishna. You've got all these other ones out there. What is the deciphering distance difference? There's only one that died for your sins. There's only one that's still alive. There's only one that can offer you and me eternal life. Once we die, we don't know when we're going to die. It might be tomorrow, it might be in 50 years, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if we know Christ, if we live for Christ, our, our faith is sure. It's assured. Our salvation is guaranteed. There's no better guarantee in this life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can't come to the Father by a movement. You can't come to the Father just by being in the right crowd, as good as that is. You can't come to the Father just by, by, by seeing what's going on in a certain place and, oh, that, that tribe seems to be baptising more people. I'm going to go there and see what happens there. No, it's got to be authentic. Your heart and his connecting in salvation. Regeneration. Regenerating our heart into his likeness, into his heartbeat. That's the process of salvation that began when we invited Jesus into our heart. Why do I say that? Because salvation began then. It began when we got born again. And it's continuing every day. Our salvation, our regeneration, our renewal, there's different words for it. But we're becoming like him, we pray. And then when he comes back for us, our salvation is sealed. Our salvation is complete. Our salvation is made whole. Yes, you are saved. You can argue whether you lose your salvation or not. I don't really care what people believe. I just know I'm saved. And so you might be here this morning or watching online and you may not know, am I saved? If Jesus comes back, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, come and be with me in my house? You might not know if he, he comes back, are you part of his family? And if you question that, then there's no better time I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. There's no better time than this morning to secure your salvation, to make sure you are saved. Make sure you're in his family. You never know what's going to happen in a week, a month, a year. What? We don't know. But one thing we can do is make sure our salvation and our lives are on his foundation. So I want you to stand this morning. You might just want to take a minute, just give over stuff to him. Maybe you've suffered from some comparison, competition, insecurities, fears, worried about what everyone else is doing rather than what you're doing, worried about what's not happening rather than what he is doing. That's something I often have to remind myself, stop looking at what he's not doing and look at what he is doing. Because... We always, the enemy wants to show us and we have got used to looking at the lack rather than looking at the abundance. And so our trust is not in our movement. It's not in man. It's, you know, as nice as my shirt is today, I've had many compliments. Thank you. It goes to show how daggy I normally dress on a Sunday morning. <laughs> 
But none of that matters. None of this, none of this stuff. Hey, we'll get as fancy as we can. It's fine. It's, it speaks a language to a generation, but ultimately it means nothing. It's all about your heart. It's all about my heart. It's all about where Jesus sits in our relationship with Him. And today, if you want to get right with Him, if you want to give your life to Him, or maybe you've been saved all your life, but you just realised, I've, I've suffered some counterfeit disease. I've taken on some wrongness. I've believed some stuff about myself and about other people that just is pure wrong. Give it over to Him today. We have one Saviour. We have one life. We have opportunities like this morning where we get to come back to the cross and say, Jesus, I give it to You. I give You the competition. I give You the the methods and all the different things, the, the lack, the insecurities. Wherever it's got counterfeit, I want the real. There's nothing like the real thing. There's nothing like the real thing. Just lift your hands with me this morning. So Lord, we just commit to You again. We ask for authentic Jesus in our lives. Wash away everything that's not of You. Get rid of all the doubt. Get rid of all the fear. Get rid of all the the lack. We take our eyes off what You're not doing and we fix our eyes on what You are doing. And we say, come Lord Jesus, have Your way. We ask for more of You, more of Your power, and Your presence. And we worship You for Your goodness. We worship You for Your grace over our lives. I ask this morning, Lord Jesus, for those areas where we need help, that You would come and be our helper, our advocate, that You would counsel us, Holy Spirit, that You would speak to us, whisper to us, guide us and strengthen us as a tribe, as a community to worship You in spirit and truth in how we live, how we talk, how we walk. We ask Holy Spirit that You'd come and move among us. Move among us. Move among us. Thank You, Jesus. So Lord, I speak blessing over every person. I speak the name of Jesus over every person. I smear them with the blood of Jesus Christ this morning over families and marriages and businesses and careers and and studying and decisions and relationships. Let the blood of Jesus be washed over us and sprinkled over us that we may be marked with Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.